Doing it all for love, for the glory of love. CITR 101.9. That song always FM. chokes me up. Yeah, I think Colin's going to start crying. 
Yeah, you got some tears there. So 101.9 FM in Vancouver. This is Ink Studs, the radio show about comics. Wow, that fan is really loud. Do you mind turning that off? We have a fan in here, and it's really stuffy, but all I hear right now... It's like I'm at a Mersbau concert or something. So this is the radio show about comics, and today we're joined by the very talented um, reclusive, some might say, because... Very- yes, you're thwarting my uh, my desire to become the J.D. Salinger, Thomas Pynchon of comics by having me on the air today. That is Rebecca Dart there. Hello, everybody. Hello. Rebecca is a local creator um, who's gotten a lot of uh, international, uh, I don't know, acclaim um, for her um, one-off comic. Is it one-off? Yes, it is. Rabbit Head, a, uh, tr- a, a loving story of um, a rabbit's journey. Is it a life journey, um, or is it a day? Journey? It seems like a life journey to me. Reading it. Well, I guess it is a life journey because she dies at the end. So, yeah. without being flaky. Yes. There, there's no like you know. It's. It, I went on a journey across the land. It's my life journey. So, tell us about the song we're just listening to. Oh, the Glory Love by Peter Cetera. I'd like to send that, dedicate that to my uh, my peeps at Studio B Productions when uh, we had synced up a bunch of our computers once and just blasted the whole place with uh, that beautiful, beautiful song. To the best song ever. Yes, I anything that talks about being a knight is the best song ever. So, especially with like that kind of synthy guitar sound. Yeah, yeah. The the, the keytar. The keytar. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you were nominated for an Ignatz for Rabbit Head. Uh, yes, I was. That's awesome. It, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I was uh, very surprised by by the nomination. What uh, category? Uh, best New Talent. So. I guess Rabbit Head was your first big foray out there. In, in many years, so it's sort of new again, I guess. Well, I, I think most of the big, the new talent people get nominated in that category have been doing comics for years under the radar. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It takes a while to get noticed in the comic game. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of your older stuff, like what got what got you to the point of doing probably one of the most original comics I've ever read, um, Rabbit Headed. It's kind of like I don't know, like, choose your own adventure, but, but good. not. <laughs> um, maybe, actually, let's go through description of the creative process for Rabbit Head, like a good way to describe it to someone who can't look at it. Okay, uh, the first page starts out. There's a single line in the middle of uh, three panels, and that progresses for a couple of pages, and then something happens in this story following this character who has a, a rabbit's head, and... The story branches off, and so that now there's three parallel uh, lines of story happening separately from one another, and it branches off again and again until there's seven storylines all happening at the same time. And then these stories start to connect again at the latter half of the comic and come together and the characters meet, and it ends up being one line of, of narration at the very end, which hooks up to the very beginning of the comic. The Mobius Loop of Comics. Yes. I always thought like the best way to view this comic would actually be in a huge spinning wheel. So, but that would be very difficult to market. Well, that, that that's something I want to ask about is that originally you had made scroll copies of this. Correct? I I made 10 copies of the scroll, which I just gave to 
to 10 of my closest friends. And it was about 13 and a half feet long. Wow. Of, uh, of comic. Of comic. Yes. Uh, they had one up at Pulp Fiction Books on Main and Broadway, actually on the wall for a while there. And Chris Brayshaw is quite the uh, advocate of... He, he is, yeah. He included his, his top pick for last year, was it? Yeah, year he did a last? review in the Comics Journal that was very flattering, so... A little blushing after that. Yeah, I know. That kind boy. Yes. So how did you get hooked up with alternative comics? Is that That's who it's out from, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I sent copies of Rabbit Head to several publishers, to Fanagraphics. I sent one to Top Shelf. I got a call from Chris Staros from Top Shelf, who, who liked it, but uh, didn't like the material very much. He actually was like, think yeah, this would be really great if it was like a CSI episode. And you could have, like, someone <laughs> chewing some gum, and then you could have the story of the gum as it's being processed, and, like... Also, like, it's a good idea, but he didn't like the... The surrealism. The, surre or, yeah, the, so. the fantasy elements. I guess so. Uh. And uh, so I was like, thank you, I appreciate the feedback, but that's not really me, so... Yeah, no. And then... Uh, that would be just selling out. Yeah, and Jeff Mason from Alternative Comics originally did not want to publish it. He said... I do not publish fantasy comics, and I do not publish wordless comics. It's a little snooty. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, I can well, I can sort of understand you know a problem with fantasy, but but no wordless comics. Uh, yeah, I, that's what he told me. That's like a lot of really good comics. Yeah. Well, I said like, I said, listen, like the, f the middle four pages of this comic has eighty-two panels. That has more panels than most comics you publish altogether. So, <laughs> so I, I understand wordless comics are very quick reads, so I tried to pack a lot of a lot of art and a lot of panels. Well that's one of the things that really stuck out to me, um, is that it's not a quick read. Hmm. Like you can read this story over and over again in different ways and get different things out of it. Mm -hmm. Um it seems like quite the laborious laborious project going into it was there something like inspired you to do such a creative you know concept the the original inspiration came from a movie called the saragossa manuscript which was a polish film that came out in 1965 it's based on a polish novel and um it starts out with two characters they meet up and uh, they start one starts telling a story about his grandfather and then the narration of the movie switches to that story and within that narration a character starts telling a story and it switches to that story okay and i thought that was a very interesting concept but i thought it would make a better comic than it does a movie because in the movie you you tend to forget what came before and you tend to get kind of you can't remember the care can't keep the characters straight but with comics you can have the story is running parallel. And comics is an interesting medium because you as the reader is in control of time. When you stop reading, time stops for that narration. Mm -hmm. So as a comic, you don't, you're not missing anything by stopping one storyline and switching to the next. So it, it works out. Comics are very fascinating to me because they work out to a very simple physics equation, which is space equals time. The space on the page equals the time in the context of the story. So by manipulating space, you can manipulate time. That's like the only the second time science has ever come into the show. <laughs> and it's the first time where someone made sense. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see what the first time was. I'll tell you in, in a music break. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. <laughs> um, 
Now, what are some influences for you? Like, you talk about that one movie, and it seems like there's some other type, like the surreal, like, I can really feel like a little bit of Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky's El Topo. It was a big influence as well, the surreal Western aspect. And also the fact that a lot of things die is also (laughs) inspired by El Topo. And, you know, also uh, uh, Sergio Leone movies. And... Yeah, and of course, you know, Jim Woodring's a huge uh, inspiration to me, and that, I think that's pretty obvious when reading the comic. So, um, now, it doesn't strike me as a fantasy comic. I didn't think that it was that, that was that an either. odd statement to make. Like, I can see like a western or something like that, but I really don't see like hobbits coming out of the ground or like. Yeah. I was quite surprised by that too when Jeff Mason had mentioned that that it was a fantasy, and I said, well. It's, it's more surreal than, I would say, fantasy in the line of Jim Woodring. Well, at least nobody called it a funny animal comic. I've gotten that, too, oh. actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love funny animal comics. This is great. So, just no, It's as- hard for some people just to get past the whole rabbit head. Yeah. Anthropomorphic image. It's, it's like, like Art Spiegelman said when doing Mouse, you know, the metaphor was supposed to be shucked like a snake's skin or something so it's not really supposed to be taken literally well what what inspired to do the uh the rabbit head like as a rabbit's head um is it like something that's part of like your cartooning experience um i used to or? work on a rabbit farm oh wow and uh cleaning cages yeah. and uh rabbits have this stereotype of being very meek gentle cute fuzzy creatures when actually they're vicious little bastards <laughs> and they like to eat their own and uh not just babies they they, they will cannibalize and so wow sort of this rabbits eat meat well they do sometimes. rabbits eat rabbit meat <laughs> yeah like if you if you take a bunch of rabbits that are that are siblings, they'll be fine. But if you put a rabbit that's not a part of their litter, they will kill it. Basically, run wow. around until it dies. And so it's like, the, you know, they're they're not the cute, cuddly creatures everybody thinks. So something of that yeah. viciousness is kind of carried over with you throughout your life, and kind of you have yeah. To like well, it has to do nastiness. with um, expectation as well. Like you expect a rabbit to be a certain way, and then it is. It is not. And someone reads that, going, "Oh, rabbits! Yay! It's gonna be funny. But <laughs> hey, hey!" <laughs> they give it to their toddler. Yeah. Have you had anyone buy it and be like, kind of like, this? What? <laughs> oh, I think so. Yeah. No one's ever. Usually, people are very nice, and if they don't have anything nice to say, they don't say anything at all. So I don't get. I couldn't think of anything bad to say. Honestly, it is it is up there. Um, My initial comment that I passed along um, was that it was one of the more creative things in the like, kind of in the vein of like what Chris Ware is doing as far as like a new type of storytelling, where it's like really branching out and literally branching out. I guess if you look at Rabbit Head um, and really trying something new because it's not the standard. And that's something I've noticed um, looking at your other stuff, which we'll get into um, in the Blood Orange. Mm-hmm. Is that you, you're definitely into doing like a different type of storytelling? Like it's all um, silent. I've noticed. Yeah, um, that's because I I really suck at writing dialogue, so I decided <laughs> to keep it silent. <laughs> among among other things, another thing too is that keeping it wordless, it can be read by anybody who speaks any language. It can be read by illiterate people, so it, I think a wider range of communication can be can be had. 
Cool. Um, I think it's almost time for a song. Uh, up next, what do I we have? I can hardly next? wait. We have Europe with the song Cherokee. Now, do you want the live version or the studio? I like the studio version. We're going to go for the studio. Okay, up next is Europe with the uh, loving track Cherokee. Um, if you don't know Europe, you don't know what you're missing. No, oh, i got to actually queue up the actual song number. CITR 101.9 FM.
CITR 101.9 F on the FM dial. What? Um, we are talking to Rebecca Dart, creator extraordinaire of Rabbit Head and of some other stuff. I don't know. Do you have other stuff you can talk about? Um, I have a couple short stories that were in uh, an anthology called Blood Orange. I had one that I think was about eight pages and another that was about two. Now, I was looking at both of those today, and both of them are very impressive. The first one, um, the two-pager, took me a little while to figure out how to read it. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I was originally told I was going to have four pages, and then I got a call from the publisher saying, oh, I only have one for two. So I had to kind of squeeze it into two pages, and I kind of regret doing that. I think I should have just done something else, but... uh, it's a fun little story. It's a weird little story. What are they? They're like little three-eyed... It's a little three-eyed character, and he... Uh, I, I was trying to experiment with the borders of a panel being sort of almost like a like a physical wall around a little world. And like when the character busts through that wall, he enters a different d- dimension. I don't know what you want to Breaking call it. the fourth wall. Yes. Is that an acting term? And then the big jellyfish type creature is kind of supposed to represent sort of god in a way wow so, wow you're getting all uh theoretical with this well he's god steals this creature's ice cream so yeah. god's a bastard i know damn you god where's my ice cream so that's why he can kind of go through the walls of the panels without having to bust through oh god, god so. is everywhere are yes. are are you religious are you is God with you every moment? No. No. Just okay. plain no. No. Yeah, no. Me too. Um, Colin, you had some questions about rabbit heads, so we should try and stay on the rabbit heads before we actually yak about too much other stuff. Remember oh. during the break when I told you to stop asking questions because we weren't on air? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just brought up, I was wondering uh, if you had gotten a copy to Jim Woodring because, as you said, that uh, he'd inspired your work. Yeah, and a couple of years ago, he came to the Words and Stories show. And uh, I managed to finish Rabbit Head in time for his visit. I had to kind of rush it there at the end, but uh, it took me about a month to do Rabbit Head. So. That, that amazes me. This only took you a month well, maybe to a month. write and draw? In a week. In a week. Yeah, about that. So. Wow. So I was working many hours. I was like, towards the end, it was like 15 hours a day just to rush it to get it done. So, but... Uh, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more uh, work from you. Well, I was unemployed at the time. Oh, that's always helpful. That's very helpful. And the fact that I work in animation, I draw for a living. So it's very difficult to get inspired to draw on your time off. Because it's sort of the last thing you want to do. It's like if you're washing dishes eight eight hours a day, last thing you want to do when you get home, I'm sure, is wash, wash the dishes. dishes. Yeah. So... It's it's kind of like that. Now, you're on a break right now. Yes, and I'm working on a story right now. There's mm. a pattern. A pattern of not yes. working. I th- I th- you know what I think needs to happen? I think your uh, husband needs to support you. So you don't, <laughs> So you can just do comics all the time. Uh, this would, would be a better world. That would be sweet, but we would be homeless, so. Quiet, you. It's not true, but... (laughs) I'm just bugging. I had to throw it in there. Um, Now, Blood Orange, we'll talk a little bit more about that. The 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 two-page thing, the the multi-panel, the inter-panel 
Intrapanel? Would that be a good term? Intrapanel? Okay. Intrapanel reaction? It's good for contraction? me. Oh, Colin has another question. Oh, I was just wondering, uh, small press work. Yeah, I did a lot of self-publishing in the early 90s to mid-90s. Yeah, I, a couple issues of a mini-comic called Posthumous. And uh, that's what I also wrote about Rabbit and that, too. So Rabbit Head is actually more... The character is more of a carryover of these other rabbit stories that I had done. Kind of based on my experiences working on a rabbit farm. But we can't find those meetings, eh? Nope. 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 You don't keep if you them find in print? Them, throw them I have out. a couple archival copies for myself, but that's that's it. That's Aww. it. Now, I've heard somewhere you were published in Roran Rick's Rarebit Fiends. That's right. I had a short story. Cool. In that. In what? Roran Rick Veach's Rarebit Fiends. Oh, yes. the dream. The dream book. So yes. the dream book. Tell us about how you got into uh, Rarebit Fiends and... Uh, um, well, I was about. always a big fan of Rick Veach. Roran Rick. Roran Rick. And I, I... I think... I believe this is many years ago. This is probably like 10 year, over 10 years ago. But... I, I had a dream and I wrote a story about it and I sent it to him and he, he liked it and he published it. Wow. And then I never heard from him again. <laughs> well, I, I sent him another letter. I was talking about sex dreams. And uh, he never wrote me back. He probably thought you were like some kind of like... Coming on to him? I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, then you got to send him a picture of your handsome boy and be like, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got this at home. Bam, bam, bam. Um, what issue, do you remember what issue number that was? No, I don't. Sorry. Great. I have a terrible... So everyone go and buy all the Rarebit <laughs> Fiend issues just so you can find that one. There, there are collections, I believe. Yeah. There are. Yeah. I don't think the collections reprint the short stories that people send in, though. Oh. So. Yeah, I think he's got to pay up money. Do you actually get bling for that, if you don't no. mind me asking? No. No. I think it was issue nine. Oh, Nine. Okay. Nine. <laughs> I have a terrible memory for this stuff, so. <laughs> um. So the other, the other blood orange story. I keep going away yeah. from blood orange. Um. Is an eight-page. Now looking at it, it's it's basically a day in the life in a city. In in is yeah. a city where little animal thing, little like crazy cat characters, take dumps that are pineapples and. <laughs> That one is another sort of rush job because the story that I'm working on now was was one that I was originally going to do for Blood Orange, but I just ran out of time. So I had to come up with a way I could do something really quick. So for that story, I just drew one background. It's one whole page, the background. Just photocopied it eight times. And then I just drew the characters and cut them out and pasted them on. Because <laughs> I only had a week to do it and a week of evenings because I was working full time as well. So I had to kind of... Is that I, cheating? Wow, that's amazing. I, so, I, I thought you... The, it's a gorgeous story. It like, is gorgeous, really, yes. Like it takes... This is one of those... Like that eight-page story will take longer to read in your rabbit head just going through it and looking at all the little subtle nuances like you really worked hard at creating this tableau this civic tableau of well, madness i i'm glad it appears that way because it wasn't that way when i created it i actually made it up as i went along because i didn't even have time to uh try to think things out i just sort of was there any kind of influence in making that story uh time Time. That was it. Just, time. Just had to because it's so quick. it's so uniquely creative. That's why I'm like it's just I really haven't read any comic like that where it's 
such an you know well it's it's kind of like I work in animation too and it's kind of very similar to animation where you have a background that's usually stationary and characters that move in front of it so it's just kind of this is kind of like the logistical step from animation to cartooning in a way but but um I'm wondering if if maybe um your approach have you read any surrealist theory about you know just putting down images and stories directly without preconceptions? Uh, I've probably read a little too much postmodern theory for my own good. <laughs> I think is the problem, but uh, not not too much. But uh, just yeah, that was just that was just mainly just this time, and I'm usually not very usually my stuff is planned out very meticulously. And uh, that story was just—I gotta get something. You done. impressed us, and look, 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 we got. You don't have to do much to impress us, kids. It's good to know. That's good to yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suddenly we'll get this big turd. What's this? I, I thought you were easily impressed. I would love to reach that point where I could just take a poop on a piece of paper and people would love it. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> Didn't you try that? <laughs> um. Now, one thing that, that really strikes me as really neat and creative is that you do work in animation. Yes. And you are completely self-taught. Yes. And you're the only person in your work that... That I, that I know of. That hand draws. Um, one of the few. Now. It's kind of changed. And it depends on the project that I'm working on. It depends on the contract. But for the last project I was working on, there was two of us who used pencil and paper compared to... Now, is that a personal choice or is that... No, part that, of the work. that was simply because I, I do location design, and the locations are too complicated to still to draw onto the computer for the work we were doing. So it was easier just to do pencil and paper. Now, how did you get into animation? Um, I got into animation about, ooh, like in 97, so about nine years ago. And uh, my good friend James Lloyd was working for a company, and I was desperate for Shout work. Shout out. Yes. To my boy James, what what? And uh, and I, we were living in on the island at the time, and we we're in very desperate situation. So he kind of, you know, he talked to the boss there, and uh, they sent me a test, and I did a test, and uh, they liked my work, and so they said, "Come on down to Vancouver and work in animation." So I did, doing layouts, and uh, I didn't even know what a layout was wow. until about a week until I started doing them. So I had to go to Oscars and like buy a book on how to do animation layouts and and bone well, up. What is it. a layout? A layout is um, the backgrounds that you see. Oh, right. Design is when you design when you actually design how the backgrounds are going to look. But in animation, a layout is every time the camera moves, it's a different look background. Mm -hmm. So basically, you, you're the eyes of the camera, and you just have to draw individual backgrounds for individual scenes. So it's like those old, like, uh, I don't know, like 50s, 60s cartoon where the guy's running and, like, Tom and Jerry into the same background over and over again. Yeah, That's yeah. Not very imaginative and you got to know things like about camera movements and pans and truckins and so on and so forth. It sounds exciting. It's, uh, it's riveting. So what are some of the cartoons you've worked on? Uh, Mission Hill. A lot of people like seem to like that one. It's a, it's a Canadian favorite. Yeah. It was on uh, the Cartoon Network? Cartoon Network? It, it started on the WB. The WB. Yeah, I think it ran for two episodes and then got canceled. How many were made? Uh, Just the two? Thir 13. Oh. Yeah, I think Excuse they showed all 13 in Canada. Yes. 
repeated them ad nauseum. Yeah, to and the point of... I worked on Ned's Newt, and I just finished working on Puka, which is a Korean character. Very popular character. Yeah. My yeah. lady loves the Puka. Yes. Puka and uh, Batskaru. Oh, that yeah. The character? Bad Bats Maru. 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 Yep. Is that the angry penguin. penguin? Yes. Yeah. They're odd. Um, my my friend got married and he had a Bats Maru themed wedding. Whoa. Wow. Awesome. He's now divorced. Oh. Whose well. idea? That was his idea. Yeah. I think How long so. did they last? Well, two or three years. Hmm. I can't understand that. You know, two, three year long marriage. Like, why do you go with the trouble? I mean, don't you know you're not going to get along with the person? Okay, sorry. Did I just go on a tangent there? Yeah. We could go on a tangent. I don't know. We've been married for almost 12 years now. So well, it's pretty we're, impressive. We're old school. Old school. Yeah. With, with a K. Yeah. S K O O L. But um, the one thing I've learned about is, is you love art, you love comics. Um, more into art, it seems like. I've looked, kind of gotten a chance to peer at your books and stuff. Um, what are some of your past early influences with art and like how has it progressed and stuff? And I'll ask more questions along the way. How it's progressed with my my own art? With the, with your tastes, like I'm interested in like what your influences have been okay. over time and stuff. Influences are kind of uh, kind of weird because you get influences from everything. I think like everything around you, like even like how it shadow hits a wall can influence you like you just like the shape and uh, but as far as like artistic influences uh, I'm greatly inspired by a lot of the surrealists Salvador Dali I'm a huge fan of a German artist named Hans Belmer Belmer yes don't know yeah he, he was uh, he was incarcerated by the Nazis during after the Second World War with Ernst Fuchs and so sort of that, that sort of group of artists those German artists the uh, expressionists they're not. They're, um, they're more of a lustmord sort oh. of group. Lustmord isn't that that industrial guy? I, well, it was uh, an art movement before it was an industrial music. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm greatly influenced by those guys. There's a there's a, a Russian artist named Boris um, Artsybyshev, who was an illustrator in the 50s and 60s, who I think was also a great influence on Jim Woodring too, because you can kind of see some influence kind of carry over. there. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm also greatly inspired by novels, by books. Philip K. Dick is a huge inspiration. Love the Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Love Philip K. Dick. His, his ideas about time and travel and stuff uh, was the main inspiration behind the comic I'm working on now. Really? You know so. what? I'm going to put on a song now. Okay. Uh, I think it's about Muzak time. What would you like to hear now? And then we'll get more into influences and comics and goodness because this is the inkset show the rave show about comics and CITR 101.9 FM I like to hear Vancouver. Romantic Traffic Romant by the Spoons by the Spoons some CanCon CanCon and this is off the album Collectibles it's the best of yes okay um, why the Spoons I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's for the ages to find out it's a uh, it's an endless great song okay Romantic Traffic uh, spoons.
traffic. Yeah, no one's feeling the groove of the romantic traffic. <laughs> I'm all by myself. You're changing lanes of romantic traffic. Oh, that was the spoon, some CanCon. Um, they just played a little while ago, I guess, last year, opening for Images in Vogue, the band that did that great song. Uh, you can call it love if you want to. And also, don't mistake my lust for love. You mistook my lust for love, didn't you? Sorry, I'm, I'm the only one here who knows Images in Vogue. I know it. And I, you know what? Song, yeah. Here's something lame. My friend was their T-shirt boy. Wow. T-shirt boy. And and you played hockey with the bougie. Did he dress like a bunny? No. Oh. Why would they dress like bunnies? Because a rabbit head? No, no. It's a Don King when he was the t-shirt guy for oh, he Clumsy had a... Lovers. He wore a bunny rabbit costume. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, he didn't dress like a bunny. I think he was like 13 years old and had fun at the shows because they're opening for Duran Duran. And when you're a 13-year-old boy, well, where are you going to meet 13-year-old girls? Duran Duran concert. <laughs> well, if they're all ages. Yeah. Yeah. The, if no, one, no would... one would show up if it wasn't all ages. <laughs> There'd be like a couple of dirty old men there. Hey, <laughs> I thought it was all ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So we're talking about influences, and yes. you um, talked about some uh, really like, not quite what I was expecting, but huh. some very um, high art. Mm. I guess is a good way of stating it. Well, I think it's important to bring outside influences into a medium because I find with a lot of things, you know, comics and music and movies that when they all tend to influence each other, it becomes a bit incestuous and everything starts to look the same. So, mm. like, I, but were you also reading comics? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. What were some comics? Since we're a comic radio show, I should ask about comics. Uh, I got the new Tony Millionaire book. Billy Hazelnuts. Billy Hazelnuts. I loved it. It was great. Um, I've been reading old Commandy issues. I think those are so much fun. And actually, you were telling me about that Commandy, and I, I think you need to relay the story you told me the other day about that Commandy yes. issue. Uh, I don't know if anyone out there is familiar with Commandy. Probably not, because it's kind of weird, but... Last Boy on Earth? Yes. Yeah. It's the, a futuristic uh, tale by Jack Kirby. From the 70s. And uh, Commandy's Last Boy on Earth is basically like Planet of the Apes times ten. Instead of just apes, there's all different races of animals. And um, One boy. Yes, and the latest issue I got was Commandy and, and Prince Tufton the Tiger. Was <laughs> <laughs> he came across this... This group of apes that had found the uh, had turned the Watergate hearings into this religious ceremony, and he was going to get sacrificed at a quote-unquote hearing. With they 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 had found the Watergate tapes and they made this sort of sonic weapon using the Watergate tapes to kill or torture their sacrifice sacrificial lambs. So that sounds pretty surreal, actually. Oh, it, yeah, Commandy actually is very surreal. It's 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 pretty awesome. My favorite one's also with the dolphins that develop a symbiotic relationship with humans under in an underwater city. So so it's pretty obvious your tastes are very wide ranged and diverse. Yeah, yeah, I, like I think so, I guess so. You're a big Stedman fan, I noticed. Yes. 
I, I saw those like and I thought Stedman. I thought your husband, the anonymous one in the back of the room here. I thought he was a Stedman fan. I was talking about doing a Stedman show sometimes like, no, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh the person you should get is Chris Clark from Pulp Fiction. I know. I have to drag him out when he's not busy, busy. and stuff. Hmm. But I I don't know if I I made a copy of it. I don't know if it worked for you guys of this thing where it's Ralph Stedman and Huntress Thompson hanging out. Oh, I never got going that. through the creative process. Did I give it to you? Gonzo Vision. Okay, no. I, I have it on my computer. Actually. I'd like to see that. I'm I'm a big Ralph Steadman fan. It's pretty neat. It's a whole creative process with like Huntress. Like he comes in from the plane, and Huntress Thompson drives up, and like Ralph Steadman's got to wave him down to stop in his little uh, convertible Volkswagen. Oh, okay. You know Huntress, and he's so crazy. Huntress Thompson's like, oh, hello, Ralph. Yeah. And, you know, I, I forgot you were coming in, and, you know... Yeah, I remember one time I went to the library, and I got Hunter S. Thompson's, you know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but he, he insists on reading his own work, mm-hmm. and it was completely un... You couldn't understand a single word he was saying. So was, oh, books on tape? Books on tape, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a CD of his, of his reading his work, and it was... You couldn't understand a single It's word. beautiful. So... Even, uh, yeah, Johnny Depp did a good job of him in, uh... Yeah. Fear and loathing. Um, movies. You like a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. I watch a lot of a lot of movies. I, I'm really getting into film noir lately. I've been watching a lot of that. A lot of yeah. movies from the 40s. The black, four, and black and white. Black and white. With like... Old movies. Oh, I know. So boring. Oh, my God. Does anyone still watch those? <laughs> if it doesn't have the, the White House being blown up, I don't think I can watch it. <laughs> I don't know. You can't knock some of those old films. I just finished watching one called Nightmare Alley, which was a circus noir, all about a guy who becomes a mentalist and cons rich people out of. Does it have lots of creepy circus freaks in it? No. Aww. Sorry about that. If you that. have a circus movie, you got to have freaks. Mm, no, I know. Because we can only have one freak. I mean, there's only one. There's a freak? geek that you never actually see. Oh. But but geeks geeks are just guys that bite the heads off chickens, right? Well, yeah. So. That's, that, that's kind of freakish. It's I kind of freakish, know. but like I can watch the Osbournes and see Ozzy Osbourne and bites the head off pigeons. Yeah, okay. Sorry. You got me there. Was that, was... Boo. <laughs> I'm getting a boo across the room. <laughs> I am picky. I like my freaks freaky. You like Todd Browning's freaks? Todd, yeah, 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 but it, the story bugs me. Oh, okay. I like the, the as we are talking about before, um, now I can't even think of his name. Uh, Jodorowsky. Oh. His freaks are good. Well, yeah. Um, the Sante Sangre and Holy Mountain stuff. Oh, okay. Those are some pretty impressive freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the earliest stuff I I had read of yours was actually some stuff you didn't. You did some Cinema Sewer covers. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we gotta give a little props to Cinema Sewer. Yay, Cinema Sewer. Yay. Yay. Yay, Robin Bougie. Tell tell Ooh. tell us your connection to Robin Bougie. My connection with Robin Bougie, um, we met in California in high school and uh, quickly fell in love, moved up to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, got married uh, almost 12 years ago, oh, wow. and then moved out to British Columbia. And thank God you're out of Saskatoon. Yeah, it was, when, once you witness minus 43, then it's like... Especially coming from California. I had never seen snow before, so and then I had nine months of it. Yeah. So it's like, thanks, thanks for bringing me up here. Great. So uh, what do we do now? <laughs> that 
but yeah. No, I was actually very happy to be there, and I was very glad to go. And your one of your neighbors there was Dave Collier. David Collier. Collier. Yes. And uh, did he open you up to any kind of comics and stuff? Oh then? yeah, he um he was pen pals and good friends with Chris Ware before Chris Ware was even published. Wow. And Chris Ware would send him photocopies from his sketchbook, many of which are reprinted in the in the sketchbook collection that came out recently or not too long ago. And so, which is a beautiful book. Yeah, and so this, and he was. I think Chris Ware was like 23 at the time, and we were just blown away. We, he was just amazing stuff, and and uh, he was also really good personal friends with uh, Robert Crumb, and Robert Crumb would also send him photocopies from his sketchbook, and he introduced us to repeatograph pens, and uh, yeah, he he's he's a very interesting guy, and he kind of helped us along quite a bit. So, a mentor. Yeah. He was. Collier or Chris Ware? Well, Collier, Collier, because we knew him personally. Uh, Chris Ware is just someone we we all read and enjoy. Yes. Well, most of us. Well, uh, your work reminds me of uh, Chris Ware in in the way that you both are experimenting with the form. Yeah, yeah. I would say Chris Ware is an an inspiration as well. He sort of opened the floodgates to experimentation, and I'd like to see more by some other people, too. Who are some people right now that are really like, you, you know, you wish they would get off their asses and do comics too? People I know personally? No, just just people. Com- what are some What are some stuff you really like? Creators that are really blowing your mind and like, kind of pushing you to want to do more stuff. Or is there anyone that gets that level for you? Mm, nothing. Well, all the creators are actually kind of creating right now. So, like Tony Millionaire, I like to see a lot of work by him. He seems to be pretty prolific. He's though. extremely prolific, yeah. surprisingly prolific. And uh, I don't know. I'd like to see some more from maybe Joe Matt. To come in. <laughs> you know, hasn't he stopped doing comics until someone gives him a hundred thousand dollars or oh, something? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like saying I'd like to have a blizzard in L.A. I, I really like Jeff Darrow's Shaolin Cowboy, too. Mm-hmm. I find that to be a lot of fun. If that mule will ever shut up. Well, well, he, the main character doesn't talk, so the mule talks for both of them. But uh, And the mule's actually written by the, um, or the, the Wachowskis. Uh, Wachowski brothers, yes. So it's their so. way of getting their buck in there. Yeah, I, I find that comic <laughs> a lot of fun. It's uh, Westerns original. Seem to, Westerns seem to be a big thing for you. I, I love the, the Western, the, the suffering hero, quiet but deadly <laughs> man with no name. So. <laughs> well, I'm going to make you watch Dead. I'm going to lend you Deadwood. You're Deadwood? Gonna like Deadwood? Oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I actually really want to see I'll, it. I'll make sure I lend it to you, because if I lend it to, to the bougie, I know it'll just go in the pile to be watched. Or should okay. I say the, the boxes to be watched? <laughs> the boxes and pile. <laughs> so would the theme from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the soundtrack, be a good soundtrack for Rabbit Head? Uh, I think Once Upon a Time in the West ah. would be one that I would choose. Hmm. So it would definitely be Ennio Morricone, though. I know that much. <laughs> Some Italian goodness. Yeah. So, yes. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, we're running out. Of, we're getting close to the end. I guess I have to mention some stuff that's happening in town. Do you guys know any good comic stuff that's happening? We met, the con was last weekend. The next con's going to be April thirtieth. Uh, but I don't know. Anyone know if anyone's going to be there? No, no, no. Who knows? There's going to be someone. <laughs> I've heard rumors that Cameron Stewart might be coming to town for something, but don't quote me. 
I don't know. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we have some exciting shows coming up, I should mention. Um, next week, I will be uh, airing an interview I did uh, just the other day with this uh, young man named Daniel Wilson, who has a PhD in robotics and wrote a lovely charming book called How to Survive a Robot Uprising. And uh, he's a pretty neat guy. Went out and, I went out and hung out with him after the interview and you know had fun time. And he really made me feel like I'm not that geeky, so that was good. Um, it's good meeting other people with the same geek level. Hmm. Um, if not more so, I mean, he's got a PhD in robotics. So that was pretty cool. Um, and the week after that, I'm not sure what we're doing. We have something tentative, and I can see what it is yet. And then um, some interviews we have coming up. Well, I've been talking to Rick Geary, Evan Dorkin, and Spain Rodriguez about uh, doing interviews. Nice. And I've been yakking with uh, Finer Graphics. Uh, Mr. Eric Reynolds there's uh, hooking us up with uh, a bunch of people from the MoMA anthology, possibly Los Bros Hernandez. I probably totally mispronounced that. Did I get it wrong? Okay. Uh, uh, Colin's wearing his 11 Rockets t-shirt from the 1991 comic convention. And that's not the band Eleven Rockets, even though there's a band on it. Didn't the band get their name from the comic? They did. I, yeah. Yes. And the comic's better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Someone agrees. With everyone's like, I love the band Eleven Rockets. Like, it's not 1985 anymore, you know? <laughs> Some people like to think it is or would like it to be. Then again, look at the music we've been listening to today. Yes. All out of love. I don't think we're going to get a chance to play Air Supply. I think we're going to be ending off with Rio Speed. Darn. Yeah. Play it next week. Next week, yeah, for the, uh, for the I'll, robots. I'll the robots. That the will robot make the robots interview. uprise. Yeah. Air Supply. <laughs> it would. Stop it. <laughs> it's like nails on chalkboard for robots. Yes. Air Supply. <laughs> we hate air. Okay, so uh, any last comments, uh, Miss Rebecca Dart? Mrs. Rebecca Dart? Ms. Not really. Okay. No. I want to thank you very much for coming out here. Um, I know because you are a busy, busy artist with your work in the animation world, um, we're very happy to see any work that you're putting out in the comics world. Um, so please do more comics. What did you say? Oh, is it in Rosetta? It's going to be in Rosetta. Rosetta. Yes. Rosetta. Who puts out Rosetta? Alternative Comics. Alternative Comics. Okay. Actually, one, one last question. How do you get hooked up with Blood Orange in Founder Graphics? Um, uh, Chris Polkey, the guy behind Blood Orange, had uh, picked up a copy of Rabbit Head in Toronto somewhere. Oh, well. Like and Big U League or something, probably? Yeah, and he liked it and did a Google search, I guess, on, on me and found me and asked me to participate. It went, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Well, we all enjoy your work. Please do more. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we hope you will be unemployed more often. Yeah. That would yeah, be. That, that would be the best. <laughs> yeah. But you're just on vacation right now. I just Well, sort of between contracts. Between contracts. It's vacation. So, yes. Live in large. In charge. Rio Speedwagon. Why Rio Speedwagon? Or REO? Because it sucks. <laughs> I can't fight this feeling anymore. This is Inkstuds 101 CITR in Vancouver. The pain I go through with this program. <laughs> oh, Colin, you love it. <laughs>